and welcome to this board game life episode number six titled game lust my name is rob and with me today i've got my good buddy jeff hello everyone so before we get going with today's show we've got a couple announcements to make uh the big one for right now is that we are now on itunes yeah so, so if you've got an apple product or whatever products use itunes that aren't Apple products, if there are any. Just make sure to go out there and subscribe to our show. And uh, please don't forget to rate us five stars, because that helps us uh, show up in the rankings. Beyond that, we're also on Stitcher, which is multi-platform, so you can check it out on you know iPhone, iPad, Android, all that good stuff. So you can check us out there if you're a Stitcher user. And, you know, speaking of subscriptions and all that, you know, you can head to our website, www.thisboardgamelife.com, and there's all sorts of subscription stuff on there with RSS, etc. And you can even listen to our show on the site. Excellent. Awesome, awesome. awesome. You know, moving on, uh, a couple things we want to talk about. First thing is, Jeff, I'm sure you know who Will Wheaton is. I do know who Will Wheaton is, yes. He's, uh, he's the guy from that show Eureka, right? Uh, no. The guy from Star Trek? Yes, uh, that's him. Yeah, Wesley yeah. Crusher, Wesley Crusher. I was thinking so, more Big Bang Theory, but okay. Oh, yeah, he was on there, too. <laughs> okay, so he was on Eureka and Big Bang Theory. And Star Trek. Oh, Next yeah, Generation. and a little show called Star Trek The Next Generation. So there's some news that they announced uh, a couple days ago. They released a trailer for, what's what's the name of that show? Geek and Sundry? Is that yes, right? that sounds right. Yeah, had you ever heard of that before? Never. Yeah, me neither. I had heard of, uh, so I guess uh, Felicia Day is part of that. I've heard of her show that, uh, Swords and Lasers or whatever it was called. Yeah. I guess uh, it's somehow related. Yeah, it's just it looked to me like a collection of four or five shows. So yeah, they they made an announcement that starting, or uh, Will made an announcement that starting April second, there's going to be a show called Tabletop. You know, from the trailer that they had on YouTube, it looked like it was just going to be like a whole bunch of people sitting around a table playing games and chit chatting and celebrities. Did you see the video? Yeah, yes, I yeah. did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there well, was uh, depending on what you call a celebrity, but. There were at least recognizable faces and names. Oh, yeah. Like they had that. Did you ever watch Eureka? Occasionally. Yeah. Like they had the sheriff on there. Yeah. I think it's absolutely. Colin something mm-hmm. in, in real life. Like he was on there and I think Felicia was on there and a couple of people. So, I mean, that, that looks pretty neat. Yeah. I, it's uh, definitely different than in what else has been out there. So it, there's room for it to be. I, I mean, in his commentary, he had mentioned the size of the staff. They're probably mostly interns, but <laughs> with that amount of production help, I'm sure he can still turn out something, uh, you know, at least on par with whatever you would consider the best video board game shows out there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And the little clip I saw looked like he was going through rules explanations and stuff like that, too. So, again, with the editing and the different camera angles, uh, you know, it's it's certainly would rival the little videos that, like, BGG had put up. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, you know, whatever happened to those anyway? I only ever saw two or three, and then it kind of faded off. 
Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, like Board Game Geek TV or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah there's only a couple. The rest all turned into just the, uh, the like, the Essen and, yeah. you know, all those show coverages. So, yeah, I think the show could be neat. The, you know, concern I think if probably everybody shares is just whether they're going to stay only with the light and fluffy games or if they're going to get at any point into something a little bit meatier. I mean, I, don't, I would never expect them to get too crazy with that, but... You know, I, I mean, even what they're doing now is probably more impressive than most people would assume, you know, that you're going to go and, I mean, obviously he's a big fan of Small World. He's posted a lot about that game in the past, uh, but, uh, and a lot, and I, actually that was kind of funny. I did see the thread, well, one of many threads on that where somebody said, well, if he's such a, you know, <laughs> a geek gamer, why doesn't he have a board game geek account? And of course he does. So, and, and he's even posted things before. Mm-hmm. And it's really him. Because uh, he's he's gone through that in the past. Where, oh, that's not re- you're not really Will Wheaton. And then you know on his uh, uh, blog site, you know he'll do yeah yeah I'm the guy who posted on BGG. So. Yeah. <laughs> so it has been verified that is his real account. Yeah, I remember seeing a video on his site or his blog, whichever you want to call it, where he actually did a tour of his room. And he had a little collection of games. Well, so that's my question then. Yeah, so that was you, interesting. Maybe you know the answer then. Because another comment I saw was like, well, gee, I'm not you know, too impressed by his collection. Because he had you know, 25 games marked as owned. But you know, I, and I've, maybe I've said it on the show before, but I know a lot of people that don't maintain their collections on BGG at all. Yeah. So did it look like he had just 25 games? Or did it look like he had you know, 50 or 75 and yeah, he could just could care less whether or not they're recorded on board game geek or not. It definitely wasn't a huge amount. And I'm kind of like trying to equate it to, you know, my shelf and floor space that I've got all my games on. And yeah, I, I mean, I'd probably say it was, you know, roughly 20, 30, but then again, who knows? Like, you know, cause I, I think he's probably out in California or something like that. I mean, they can store their games anywhere. They can keep them in the garage. They can keep yeah. them. I so yeah. I mean, maybe, so maybe it is his collection. I don't know. But, but it I, doesn't I have of, to be his whole collection. Yeah, I was kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt on that one and yeah. going, well, yeah, you got twenty games on BGG. That doesn't really mean anything. You know, you, you got, could have a whole closet of Martin Wallace games or whatever. <laughs> it doesn't. You know, who knows? Mm-hmm. Or or he's maybe he's even just got some gaming buddy that's got them all anyway, and he just he plays them all, but over there. Oh yeah. Who knows? And that's that's actually might might be what is interesting to me if that comes out in the show at all. Not just what they're playing, but what else he's been into or tried in the past, or if he makes comments as he's teaching a game or they're playing about these other ones he's played. I just I would be curious about that. Yeah, because I mean, you can hear a lot of stories about you know how they got introduced, you know, to the games how. You know, they learn the games. I mean, it's just like any banter during a game. You know, you can share a lot of information. I mean, I'm really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to it. You know, at least excited to see what it's going to be. Hopefully the anticipation isn't uh, more interesting than the show itself. Time will tell, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So we'll have to see how the show turns out. It's going to be out, what, in about a week, week and a half? Yeah, not too, too long of a wait. Yeah, absolutely. One quick thing about Will Wheaton. Okay. I just remembered back, oh, when when uh, Star Trek The Next Generation was first on, and yeah, I want to say I was probably in seventh grade, there was a girl in my class who, 
I don't recall exactly why I was talking with her, but she mentioned to me that she thought I looked like Will Wheaton. And at the time, that devastated me. <laughs> <laughs> I was so beat down by that comment because I'm like, oh, so you think I was like it, a total dork or, or something? Was she trying to get on your good side or was she like putting I, well, you down? I just assumed she was insulting me because, you know, I mean, as a guy, I, I don't know, you know, he's just the dork on Star Trek. So you're like, oh, you look like Will Wheaton, you know, like, oh, gee, thanks. It was, and then anyway, the, the point of that little story was it was like two months later, you know, after I, you know, finally, you know, looked her way again in class when I noticed like in her Trapper Keeper, she had like a picture of him. And I was like, oh, she was actually complimenting me. Okay. <laughs> So. <laughs> Too bad she won't talk to me anymore. I had no idea. Well, I think I scowled when she first said that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. So anyway, Will Wheaton, I, I owe you an apology. So I, I guess. Um, and to whatever her name was. Yeah. Well, yeah. If I really thought about it, I could probably remember her name. But oh well. <laughs> Anyway, getting on to bookshelves. Bookshelves. Yes. Speaking of places to display your games, there is a neat promotion going on at Ikea, of all places, something I've done in the past to buy my bookshelves. I have a lot of different bookshelves from them, not the standard ones you hear about, which are like open-backed. Mine are... Uh, Expedit. Yeah, mine are... are, I like my series better because mine are stackable, and I actually have, uh, I want to say like nine, nine and a half feet of them going up to the ceiling. And I have two different types. Uh, One type I actually bought specifically because at the time I had a lot of the Fantasy Flight big box games and I was thinking forward into the future of dozens and dozens of more. And of course they stopped making them. So, uh, and at the same time I got rid of a bunch of them. So I don't, I don't have quite the need for that size shelf as I did, but it's nice to have shelves that do fit the the longer games. Uh, But getting to the point, IKEA has a promotion that's valid Friday, April 6th through Monday, April 9th. And what it is, is basically if you dine in their restaurant and then purchase any home furnishings uh, at $100 or more, which is really easy to do at IKEA, then everything you spent in the restaurant is free on them. And at first, that doesn't sound like, okay, big deal, right? But it doesn't matter how many people you bring. So when I when I went there, I actually brought four people. There's no limits on what you order. So you know you get the meal, you get dessert, you get the salad, you get you know whatever you want. There was a, and I, and I thought I was abusing it, right? And then there was a guy in front of me in line. I had just an even more ridiculous food bill. And yeah, they just signed the bottom of it. Oh, yep, you spent the hundred dollars on whatever. Okay, here you go. Just wave the. Basically, you you pay for the food, and then they subtract all of that off your bill for the you know furniture and stuff when you get to the checkout. No problems. Not with him. Not with me. So interesting. I, I mean, if if you were going to buy shelving anyway, or you were you know thinking about it. It's a great time to go and do it. And in fact, there's actually, I've been thinking about getting some smaller shelves that fit uh, the little Haba games or like the Jaipur Colossal Arena type yeah. sized games. They're these really shallow ones, but they, they, you know, they're like 40 bucks a piece or they're not the cheapest ones. But it might be a good time to do that. 
probably get a pair of them. And then, unfortunately, that's one of the models where they don't sell extra shelves. So I, I'd have to like buy a third one to get all the extra shelves so that I'm, you know, I could fit more right. stuff. Uh, but then this way, you know, one of the extra shelves is basically free. You know, four of us eat there, that type of thing. So it's not as wasteful. There's one model that I have where they do sell extra shelves, but you can go and just buy an extra shelf and you can make these real shallow ones. So instead of, you know, piling stuff up on a shelf, you can actually have everything kind of nice and neat and separated. Right. Uh, and that works good because I, I used to store all my games vertically, but now there's some that I want to store horizontally, but I don't want to stack them, you know, five and six, six high. Right. I don't want to do the the Tom Vassell, you know, yeah. you always see in his videos where he's got you know 15 games on the top of the shelf, yeah, on uh, the bottom ones just being crunched. And of course, if you try to slide one out, then you do even more damage. And so, so I've got some of the like uh, the the flicking games too, like Ascending Empires and Catacombs. I've got those all horizontal because you don't want those boards any chance of that warping even a little bit That's type right. of thing although most of my games i still store vertically of course the big box games again those are horizontal the odd shaped ones mm-hmm. um, so it works out good I, i'm really pleased with them the they have anchors for the wall too so if you do stack them they link together they screw into the wall works out pretty well so yep that's april 6th through april 9th and you can eat for free How, how's their food I mean, is there, uh, I mean, what kind of I, stuff do they I, have? I guess I should have mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's no fine dining experience, but it's not really fast. You know, it's a step above fast food. So, I mean, what does that mean? They got, like, well, burgers? or Most people go there and get the Swedish meatballs. Uh, as, as Swedish meatballs go, I don't think you're going to find better. And you get mashed potatoes with that and that type of thing. The The chicken strips they have are actually pretty good. Uh, you can get uh, like beef and gravy. You know, they usually have a better menu that weekend because more people are eating, so they'll have a wider range than they normally have. They have like a triple layer chocolate cake that's pretty good. You know, salads and garlic bread, and yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's spectacular food, but worth getting you know four people there and eating for free because <laughs> yeah. that would basically otherwise add up to about thirty bucks or thirty five bucks maybe depending. Or think of it more like it's killing two birds with one stone. You're feeding the fam and friends, and you're getting your game shelves. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm really just saying, if you were going to buy game shelves anyway, why yeah. not go ahead and get a couple free meals out of the deal? I might have to check it out, because I'm in dire need of some game storage. I've run out of room in the shelf that I've got. Next thing that we got is a little bit of a, a teaser tidbit that came from, I think it was called yeah, the UK Games Expo that uh, was in 2012 here, just recently, where there was an announcement from Treefrog Games that there's going to be an upcoming game called Mythotopia, which sounds pretty darn cool. It's going to be a fantasy-themed game that uses the same mechanic uh, of cards and so forth that was uh, first done with a few acres of snow. Yes. And it allows up to four people. So it's going to be... Double, yes. It's going to be probably board game with you know the, the deck building, four players, 
I mean, that just sounds awesome. So they're saying it's going to be released in July. That's really that's kind of crazy. July, yeah, July, July already. Whoa. Yeah. So 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 this is four months. Really exciting news for me because I've I've kind of gone back to a few acres of snow after a pretty extended break from my initial play of it. Yeah. And I've I've gotten quite a number of plays in, uh, enough so that I'll probably even cover it at some length, maybe in a future episode. I really enjoy playing it. Uh, one of the challenges I have with that game is everybody else telling me how bad it is <laughs> or how unbalanced yeah. it is or how broken it is or whatever. I've not gotten so to that what? point. Yeah, and it's one of those where I don't know that I care. I don't think I'll ever play it enough times where it's a problem for me. But I'm enjoying the process of of getting that to that point, if I ever even do get to that point. And it does fit a neat niche in terms of it provides a sort of deck building flavor, but with some theme, with some other spatial strategies of the board. And so if any of the listeners have listened to my comments on various games, they'll, they'll know that theme is not the most important to me, but I do appreciate having something more than just pushing cards or cubes around. But at the same time, I also like the spatial elements in game and so this 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 is one that has all of that so hence why i'm a fan yeah I, i'm just worried that that runs out but now i hear right there's this new version where he's basically maybe by by uh, separating it from that historical flavor setting it more in a fantasy world now he can maybe correct some of that asymmetrical stuff that people weren't a fan of in a few acres of snow also adapted for multi- multiplayer so that it's something we can get to the table more and in a group setting. Uh, and, and maybe what this really does become is a few acres of snow 2.0. Oh, yeah. Because uh, for me, while, while, again, I enjoy the, f- the flavor and the history and, and the theme of a few acres of snow, I'm not married to it in a way where, you know, I would like this other game less. Or, I you know, I wouldn't say that it's a simulation of the theme to where, you know, I'm going to learn something about the, the history there. <laughs> yeah. Right? So for me, that's why this new announcement is just really exciting because I, I also don't yet own a few acres of snow. I, you know, you can play it online. Um, I know lots, I think I just about everybody I know has a copy of it. So another reason I haven't bought it, but so Maybe it's time. Yeah. One thing that I was really surprised about this was that it's fantasy themed because I don't know. I always think of Martin Wallace as being Mr. History and he did that last one. That was sort of a, the Discworld one. It's kind of a fantasy thing. I mean, that was one of his lightest games to date, but uh, yeah, maybe he's kind of run through the the material he had or whatever. I don't know. It's just, I, I think this was a natural progression. I mean, he's gone back and updated other designs. This one, why wait five years, right? It's He already had issued an update, which was the other controversy of A Few Acres of Snow. He'd done kind of a radical change to the rule set. And in fact, the online one enforces those changes. Yet, Was it really radical? I would say, I would agree. Because, I mean, I haven't looked at the It's, it's the radical. Uh, rules, I'd be hard-pressed to think of all of them off the top of my head. But for uh, quick examples... You used to, in the board game version, you can actually take location cards and put them in your reserve, which is a way of thinning your deck of even those things. And now in the new version, you can't do that. You can only put the other types of cards, which are, it's a far more limited, you know, the the conflict cards and that type of thing are the only ones you can thin out. So you, you have to actually 
get rid of the other ones if you want to if you want to thin them. More importantly than even that is the fact that you can do the raids two spaces instead of just one, which just increases the ability to even do them and the deadliness of them. Uh, you, you're, the argument also goes that now you basically have to have a one card in your hand is always the counter to that. Uh, whereas before there would be times where you wouldn't have to necessarily do that, and that was supposed to make it easier, but it actually ends up making it harder for and unbal- you know unbalancing the game more. And there was another another change that's not coming to mind off the top of my head, but in any case, yeah, I would I would say even from the more limited plays that I've done, I can definitely see the difference those changes have on the strategy in the game. I I actually again for where I'm at I en- I enjoy it with the new rules I actually, I kind of I kind of like the added restriction around what you can thin as opposed to it being more open and the fact that rating is easier to do I like that change as well so you know I I don't really have a problem with it but those who have played it 80 times do so and the whole change in the rules that was to address that one British strategy yeah the Halifax the- hammer yeah. Uh, maybe I don't. I think it was as much just this general feeling that things were off kilter and and the asymmetrical setup. But again, it's not something that I think the average person is going to ever experience. If right. if if you own ten games and you're the type that you're going to play one game eighty times in a row before you move on to the next, this game's going to be a problem for you. But if you're Absolutely. the type that own lots of different games and you want to play this one even a dozen times, I can't imagine that you're going to run into any issues. Um, and if you play against a guy who's played 150 games and you lose to this strategy, well, then you're playing against a guy who's played 150 games. So it doesn't really matter the game. At some point, you're going to find a way to, to break the system or a way to, to game it out and always win. Yeah, and, you know, by doing that, let's say, like the Halifax Hammer or whatever it's called, to, to me, that's almost like doing an exploit. Like in video games, like the people that are, you know, glitching or, or the people that are camping, first-person shooters. It's it's basically just a way to take advantage of the system. And I don't know, it, it's not to me, it's not fun. I mean, yeah, like the uh, what was it, the Zerg rush, even back in the early uh, RTS days, and uh, you know it, it was kind of against the point of the, the game to just rush the enemy and just wipe you out when you're just still trying to build up the first two or three yeah. things, mm-hmm. and yet you know there were people that are just still like just giggling with laughter after they annihilate you and basically ruin the game, but hey, they won, great, but it's kind of why are we all playing then? It's it's not any fun to play like well fun for you but and I and I get maybe the first five times you do that but really really you know the hundredth time that you just rush in and kill everybody in in the first thirty seconds is it still fun? <laughs> I mean don't you want to try something else some other way of winning? Yeah, you'd think. But yeah, you would think. But apparently there's a large number of people that still find that yeah it's almost like board game griefing at that point. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to this and uh, you know. We'll see if there's a deluxe edition, a regular version, who knows what. Which uh, I actually kind of hope not. I, I'm getting a little tired of that. I just want to buy the game. Yeah, because, you know, I just want to talk about the components and a few acres of snow real quick since, uh, you know, since I'm a big component person. I was really kind of disappointed with those little, you know, round discs that they've got. I mean, it, it almost seems like they 
like Tree Frog puts in kind of, I don't know, lame components in the regular games so they can sell better components. And, you know, I, I know there's a lot of discussion about this and, you know, it's been done in a whole bun- bunch of interviews with Martin in particular. But you got some like really basic games that have more than discs and like little cubes. You know, they can you can put a little like house shape thing in there for probably the same money, can't you? Maybe marginally different cost. Uh, some of the ones, yeah. some of the deluxe versions have been more pimped than others. I mean, like in your case, you're talking about wood versus wood, but like, uh, was it London where you had the wooden buildings and the one that you would pre-order it, but then the regular edition, it was just literally cardboard chits. Mm-hmm. So that, there's probably a savings there since you're going from wooden components just to cardboard. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's a different version of the whole promo debate, right? It, yeah. The the problem for me is, yeah, for those who didn't jump in early on, there's really no way to upgrade your game later except to pay these ridiculous prices. And Well, I was actually thinking about just going to one of those, uh, like, you know, game parts houses, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> yeah, they sell, sure. like, the little, they sell yeah, the little pieces. At the point where they're just houses anyway, it's not like it was custom design like you did yeah. for the, the last, uh, the Discworld title. Because uh, yeah, I know with, uh, like, for example, Alien Frontiers, when you pre-ordered, it came with these little rocket ships. Right, which were just generic ones you can get. Yeah, I mean, they're generic. I mean, you can go. I think Boards and Bits has like ten for seventy-five cents or something like that. Well, but now, yeah. like the expansion has some real custom sculpts and yeah, they stuff. do. And yeah. and I've even lost track of what's Kickstarter only and what's regular. But I guess the part that I dislike about that whole trend is that it's almost better, assuming you financially are capable of it, of just buying everything <laughs> and. You you almost have to be the early adopter because otherwise you can't get it. You, yeah. you have to buy in faith, in other words, and yep. that's what's being rewarded is as a, as a you know fan of Martin Wallace or as a fan of X Y Z publisher. You just buy all of their stuff on faith because otherwise you won't have the opportunity to go back and get certain things. Yep. And and even then, you're generally penalized because now the second printing that doesn't have these exclusives has the rulebook corrections and the component corrections so now you have to buy the second edition anyway and combine the two yeah have kind of this worthless leftover of the worst parts of both i don't know i I just that's that's the part i mean sometimes as as somebody that buys a lot of games that that's the model i've had to adopt to if you only like martin wallace games then it's going to work great for you right because you're probably going to buy them all and try just those anyway so fine yeah but when every publisher and every designer is doing this or some version of this, it's really gets, I think, starting to get even that much more out of control. Yeah, especially since there's so many of them now, you know. Yeah, and and it's become, and we talked about that, or I did anyway, with Ascension is where it's almost becoming this ransom thing where, okay, what's to stop you from going up and up in quantities of these things and go for five dollars a piece? There's 50 cards, and if you want all 50 of them, I'm holding them ransom for $5 a piece. At a, at a certain point, I, yeah, people just will turn away from that, but it seems like they're pushing more and more and more. Before it was there was one promo per game. Now it's two promos, three promos per game. You know, where does it, yeah. where does it stop? Absolutely. So, okay, well... One last thing I want to mention about the, uh, you know, getting back on track here. One thing I want to mention about the Mythotopia game is that Martin and his uh, wife, I believe, 
I forgot what her name is. That's anyway, his, yeah. <laughs> Martin's wife. Yeah. <laughs> he Mrs. knows Martin. who she is, and that's what Exactly. You'd, you'd hope. Uh, they're going to be at uh, Kublacan oh, yeah. in the next uh, couple weeks here. I think that's in May. So they're going to be demoing uh, their new designs. So we'll probably know more then. So look forward to the next uh, up and coming weeks. There. I will pre-order this one. Absolutely. <laughs> Are you? If there's a deluxe, will you get the I will, deluxe? I will actually pre-order the deluxe because if, if I don't – I have enough chance of liking this one that it would be worth it. And I'm sure I could turn it around for what I paid if not. So Yes. Look at you. Always forward thinking. Okay. Excellent. What have you been playing this past week or so? Oh, yes. Uh, I've gotten a decent number of games played. I've gotten, uh, well, of course, some of the online staples like Kahuna, Dragon Heart, and even Can't Stop. And the reason I wanted to mention those real quick is because for the first time in a while, now I've, I've, you know, I, I play online here or there, uh, usually late at night, just to, to fill a, a little bit of time before I bed or whatever. Because I've been kind of off the iPad stuff. I kind of got tired of the iPad games. And I've been doing a little bit more of the PC online stuff. Yeah. But I had been having good experiences. And then, bam, in a row, I had a bad experience with like three or four games all in a row. Where So for Can't Stop, it, well, this this wasn't really bad. But I had a guy that was telling me that he was teaching he, oh he was mentoring another player so um if i'm playing slow that's why and and so at first i'm like yeah what you really mean is you're playing and this was a live game right oh so, on board game arena yeah and so i'm thinking yeah because what you, and he had of course he had tons of negative thumbs but i'm always the nice guy that'll play with anybody and and i just kind of figured it's like well what you're really doing is playing multiple games at one time and trying to pass it off like yeah, mentor. I mean, how do you mentor someone and can't stop anyway? <laughs> yeah. Okay, if you mentor somebody, it, it takes, what, three seconds and yeah, you're done? Yeah, yeah. Okay, you roll the dice, add them up. But any case, in any case, then I, then I noticed, okay, somebody had joined the session, which was even more weird. It's more like, okay, well, I guess he really is mentoring. I mean, you know, I don't and know. Observing? Yeah, his little brother. I don't know. So, but, okay, so here's what happens. Of course, he starts just totally killing me in the game. I mean, I've never done poorer than this i I was just i I, you know i rolled numbers that you know maybe a seven a six and a four which statistically i should get one of those on my second i you know i blew the very next roll it didn't place anything i did that like two more times in a row i I basically had you know two pawns like two spaces forward and and he was you know know, spaces from the end right and so now i'm like darn it now i know what people hate about this game (laughs) yeah and at the same time, then I'm like, okay, but I'm going to do this thing that you're supposed to do and can't stop when that happens, which is just go for broke because you can win in one turn with nothing on the board. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, so talk about mentoring. I'm like, I'm going to show this guy. 
<laughs> mentor, you know, mentor him on this, buddy, right? Mentor this. And so I start rolling. And, and of course, it's usually easier to do that up the center again with the seven, six. And then I, yeah. I usually like to offset one, two, and there's math behind it. But, you know, whatever the numbers are that don't add up to those, you usually take like a three or a 10 or whatever you can kind of get. And just keep rolling. And I don't care how many times I've rolled. I don't care if I've rolled 13 times. You know, the, the chances are actually decent enough. And I've seen it done. And I was doing, I was basically there, except I knew he was going to win in one more turn because he had already got like two. He had two rows completed. You win with three. And I was, I actually got one completed. Normally you're supposed to stop, but I kept going anyway because only it doesn't matter if I get one. Because you couldn't stop. Yeah, well, I, I wasn't. I knew I wasn't going to win at that point unless I got all of them, and so of course I blew it. And then ultimately, the moral of the story here is what I'm getting to is, so he rolls and he gets his third win, and then he rolls again, which makes no sense because the game's over. You've won. You you just say I'm going to stop at that point, right? And then it goes. Right. Okay, you've won. No, he rolled again, and what I want to know is 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 this was he doing this to like rub it in my face <laughs> like look how good i am because i'm I'm gonna risk it even more you know because wow. i can or was he really like the world's worst can't stop the player because because he was way too you know gutsy to begin with you know for being mentoring uh, i've never seen anyone do I, he just got lucky and did well in my opinion but i, I think maybe he had no clue but thought he did and you know oh, i'm gonna show you how to play this game right and uh i just of all the times you really just want to, you know, own somebody, and and of course I got annihilated. So that was that was one. Um, but anyway, funny. you know, uh, you're very passionate about that game. Well, but the the neat part about it is, so here I was playing the game. I guess what I wanted to say is, I was playing the game and I'm going, God, now I see what people hate about it: a stupid random game total bs right but then the same very that very same game and then you get into this thing where i was going from nothing to possibly winning and literally my, the adrenaline was going i'm like i'm like three rolls i'm gonna do this two rolls i'm gonna do this I'm, oh dang i didn't do it I'm like that's i don't know you're it it it's a it's a weird thing, and I I don't get that with zombie dice or any of those other dice rollers. I don't know they're, if they're just there's something about the way that can't stop is set up that that works for me that way. But uh, and then the other game we had talked about favorably, I think a lot was Dragonheart, and that was another one where I just had this like weird random. I wasn't getting any of the cards I wanted type thing, and. The one I really wanted to mention was Kahuna, where I played a, a guy who'd won maybe you know six out of eight games, and this is my very first play because I've only played the the physical one uh, or a yeah, couple, there, couple times on good time. And their version is really weird. I mean, I have I have a hard time with it because uh, I'm so uh, used to the board game. Yeah, well, the, the real game. Yeah, and well, even on Yukata, you can kind of see what the opponent has drawn. Well, yeah, where I mean, it's all, it's all hidden on Board Game Arena, but it, it's just the the. The graphics are different. Yeah, but I was I was doing really well in this game, and then yeah. then I got the um. Uh, it looks like there's some kind of bug with the game now, and I'm like, really? Come on! And, <laughs> well, they want to exit. You know, like where you start doing the fake static on like cell phone calls. You know, like, oh, this connection's getting kind of spotty. <laughs> yeah. I like, come on. Yeah, yeah, because, you, you know, you're thinking I'm, like, a first-time player, and I just got, like, 
brilliantly lucky. And it, this is another one where if you get two people who've never played before playing one another, it probably seems like a random mess of, you know, luck with the cards. But I mean, even more so than the other two I mentioned, uh, I... I think, well, and it's another one where I almost always will win against a, a first-time player just because there are certain little tricks to the game. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And you, you've played this one quite a bit, right? Yeah. So, I mean, for anyone that doesn't know, I, I have to think, I, I definitely would recommend it more than Can't Stop in terms of, you know, because it's, it's, Can't Stop is really more of the family game type thing. I, I don't know if my rating would be higher on, on, on Kahuna, but I still recommend it more. And I would say even more than Dragonheart. Dragonheart maybe has more of a fun factor than Kahuna. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. Kahuna is very... Thinky. It's, yeah, it's very thinky. It's if, very if dry, kind of slow. It, it's almost like chess with sticks, kind of. Yeah, but that's... That's so it, it does appeal, I think, better to the Eurogamer, uh, you know, type of person. But it's this two-player game, and there's, I want to say, is it like a dozen, yeah, a dozen islands, which have different connections. I think it's 13. 13? Yeah, I think well, here, it's Here, I've got it right here. Let's see, 3, 6, 9, 12. 12? Looks like 12 to me. Okay. But in any case, there's different connections between the islands and the other islands, and, and you're basically putting down these bridges, and you use a card to place the bridge. And what's neat about it is that there's uh, uh, two cards per island. Yeah. And you can play the bridge with the card from either island. So if, if the one of the islands called Lael and another one's Kahu, right? And so you can use either one of those cards to play the bridge between the two. And that sounds simple, but it actually adds interesting choices because ultimately, as long as you have a majority of the bridges, you put a little marker on that island saying you own it. And then you basically go through the cards. So there's only 24 cards then, 12 islands, two cards per island. You'll, you'll go through those cards three times. That's the entire game. But you score at the end of each of those. The, the first round, when you're kind of just setting up, you know, seeing how it initially kind of plays out, you just get one point for having the most islands. And then the second round, you get two points. And then the third one, what's interesting then is you get the difference. You score the difference So for sort of the final ending position and the the other thing that happens that's pretty much the whole game the only thing that happens is if kind of into the second round all the bridges will be mostly taken and so to replace a bridge you have to actually play two cards to remove their bridge and uh, you know then you can add your own but on top of all of that is this neat thing where once you have majority on an island any of the remaining bridges go away right so let's say an island has five connections and, you know, you, you take th- maybe, maybe your opponent has two of them. And so they only need one more to take control. And you just, uh, you know, basically because you've saved up the cards in your hand, you just go one, two, three. I'm taking these other three connections now because you have majority, they lose the bridges and that's they get evicted from the island. They get evicted altogether. You own it. And so now yep. they'd have to go and play again to get them. But what's cool about it is this. Uh, this effect, this ripple effect then, because now they may not have enough bridges to have majority on the the other island, the other side of that bridge. So now that one topples, and maybe that other one, you know, that one topples. So not only have you claimed an island and denied them that island, but you've now subtracted two islands from their total, just with essentially a few cards played. 
And that's where it gets really neat. And what you're trying to do is there's just, I've never, I won't say I've never seen, but this is amongst the top games I've played where just hand management is really interesting in terms of, you know, what cards do I save up? How long? When do I discard one? When do I play it? Uh, What do I draw? Because there'll be certain ones that you can pick from or you can pick blind. There's also this uh, situation that comes up where I don't really need that card, but man, if he gets it, that's going to really ruin me, right? So I need to take it just to deny him that so he can't mess up something I'm doing. You can take extra bridges even though you don't need them. It's a kind of add defensive value. It's really just really very interesting the way that it plays back and forth. And I've just... I've never tired of the game uh, for for as simple as it sounds, and that's pretty. I don't think I left off any rules there. I'm just a big fan of the game. Oh yeah, it's it's a really fun game. Um, I don't know if I'm as excited about it as you. As I, I, I do. Yeah. I, I do get tired of this game. It's it's like we said earlier. It's it's dry and thinky, and you know, I at least after playing this game, I need to play something a little lighter. <laughs> Well, I would agree. I don't think this is the type of game I yeah. would play twice in a row. Oh, yeah, yeah. If I got it played this week, I'm definitely not bringing it next week. But again, for for a lighter, smaller game, this is one of the Cosmos games. You know, I'm sure it's pretty inexpensive. It does stand out to me as one that just doesn't. I mean, if there's randomness, it's very, very manageable randomness. Uh, I've I've never felt like when I lost that I lost just because the cards I drew were awful, right? I, I really felt like the other person played better than I did. Yeah, and this is also a good game. Like, if you've got some friends that really aren't gamers, but they like chess. Right. Or right. You know, even people that have played Hive. Yeah, you it's know, in that same category, but it does yeah. have the actual board, so it may be a little, uh, little different there. But yeah, with the card play, yeah, yeah it's, it's very approachable. Uh, but again, I've had some And trouble. it's easy to teach. It's very easy to teach. Very. I mean, I just taught it here. The, what's hard about it is maybe teaching the strategy. And so now I'm much better at the game, and I would tend to annihilate people. So yeah. they have a much you know, more negative reaction because of that if, if, if I don't also try to teach them the, the strategies in the game. Mm-hmm. But I was pleased to, to play in on a new site and win my very first game against somebody who had All better right. than, than average plays. So. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that, that's that's the those. And then I've also been playing uh, a bunch of Stephen Feld games. So I had made I announced last show that I want to do an episode just on all of his. Well, I should say Stefan Feld games, right? Stefan. And so I, I'm basically trying to play each of his titles at least two times again, on top of however many I've played them in the past. And some of them I've not played, but uh, you know I've uh, a couple of them are online, so I've, I've got some games going there. Uh, I did get played physical copies of In the Year of the Dragon and uh, a second play of uh, Trahan or Trajan. So I'm just catching up on a couple of the other ones that I need to get the, the, the two recent plays in on. And then we'll have that in a future episode. And then I know, Rob, I've got a couple games with you. Yes, sir. Those. And uh, we've got a game date coming up soon, too, where maybe we'll uh, try to get one of the other ones in. Uh, I'm trying to get Macau played again myself. And then outside of those, the only other game that I got played uh, since the last show was 1812, The Invasion of Canada. Do you know about this one at all, Rob? No. 
Nope. Nope. So this is Academy Games. These are the guys I mentioned last episode that did Conflict of Heroes. There's a PC version of that coming out. Now, I want to say this, I don't think this was a homegrown one. I want to say this is something somebody brought to them, but I'm not 100% sure. I don't own the game. I played somebody else's copy. It was a game that interested me to try, but not enough that I was really thinking to ever you know, purchase it myself. I don't think I ever really, really even considered purchasing it myself. And I know the the person I played it with uh, is, is dead certain that I hated the game, uh, but that's not the case. So this is just a very first impressions type of comments. We actually only played two-player, and it's a five-player, yeah, up to five-player game. And it we only played the introductory scenario, which limits the cards you get. Uh, not one of the full ones. So in every way I played the version of the game that you're not as likely to like, right? Because it's not the game, the way the game was meant to be played. But I still saw enough that I liked about it that I would be, that I would actually ask to play it again, as opposed to just, you know, maybe like I said with Star Trek Fleet Captains, if somebody wanted to play it, I, eh, all right, sure. This one I think I, I might actually ask to play it again and and soon, uh, because I did see some interesting stuff. It's a very simple game, which is kind of along the lines of Academy Games. Basically, you could call it an introductory war game. What's neat about it is there's the, you know, once if you're playing two-player, once one side controls, you know, American militia and American regulars, and then the other side is kind of the, you know, um, these three other forces, the British and the there's Indians, and I'm not even too sure what the other one is Canadian forces, I think. They're basically colored cubes. And what you're doing is you're pulling a, a colored cube out of a bag, and that's your activation order. So you could get all three on that side, go in, in turn, and then you go. Or maybe there's some other random uh, activation pull. That's kind of interesting. You've got this hand of three cards you draw. Uh, the cards themselves are fairly similar and basic, but there's some interesting there things there. What's really neat about the game is just... Have you played any area control games, Rob? Like, uh, uh, go ahead. Maybe like Give an El, El Grande or uh, like a Mission Red Planet. I'm trying to think of other ones off the top of my head. Uh, Belfort, kind of, right? There's area yeah, control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is almost like if you've played one of those games, which is more by definition, I guess, as a Euro game, would be more of a cube pusher, less themed game. This is maybe the introductory war game where it kind of feels like area control, but you're, I mean, you're ultimately rolling dice for combat and then you're playing some cards to do effects. Uh, the way the dice work is if, if you've got, you know, if you've got 10 cubes of varying color, you'll roll up to a certain number of dice of those colors. So maybe it's three of this and two of another. And then you either get hits where I lose units or you get solid faces where you can retreat some guys or uh, there's a side where some guys flee uh, temp- temporarily. Mm-hmm. And, and basically it's really just a mechanic where you're trying to maneuver to gain these victory objective uh, areas. And, and have more than your opponent. Uh, and then there's some other neat things added where there's lakes. This is played around the Great Lakes region, so you can, you know, sail across there and kind of, it's kind of a way of flanking your opponent if they've been too aggressive and maybe not, you know, reinforced in the back. So right. it, it kind of gives some flavor for a war game without really having 
much complexity or any kind of the standard war game, or at least where I talked at the last show about a victory lost and, and the, the logistics and zones of control and supply lines and, and hexes and counters and factors and combat result tables, right? This has none of that, but it does still represent at a real light level what some of the area... Uh, control war games might be like, but in a way that's familiar to Euro gamers with little cubes and that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, it's for it's a, you know, I hate the for what it is comment as much as anyone else, but it's a, one of those for what it is. I you know, it doesn't try to be a heavy war game. It doesn't try to be a Euro game. Uh, you know, for what it is, it's it's no simulation of the topic, but I think it's a, f- a fun enough light game at least for my one initial play that right. I'm kind of curious to explore it more. So I liked it more than I thought I would, even as I started playing it, I, I started to see the potential in uh, there being some, uh, some things of, of interest in further plays. Now I don't, again, I don't know that this would last 10 plays for me or it's the type of game I'd want to play every week, but this would be more for somebody looking to get into uh, one of the one of their first war games who maybe finds it hard to get uh, a, a situation where they play two players because right. again since you can play multiple players here in a sort of an access and ally sort of way it's still kind of co-op you, there's two sides to it which which also solves the other problem with multiplayer war games where there's kind of that you know beat the leader and uh, you know king makering and you know none of that type of stuff will exist here there's a bit of a co-op thing but yet you kind of still do your own thing you'll have your own cards and then anywhere where you have a cube of your color, you can basically move that group. Um, so that, and that's something I didn't get to explore, of course, in the first place. So, right. Again, it's just not the best game ever, but I was encouraged. So, uh, Academy Games still thumbs up. I, I've kind of, I kind of like everything I've seen the company do. I, I see good things in the future for them. How yeah. about you, Rob? Excellent. What have you, what have you been playing lately? Uh, not too much this week. I got probably about 80% of a game of Santiago de Cuba in with my wife. And uh, this is an ongoing thing. We Uh-oh, can't seem again. to ever finish a game because... Was it we... <laughs> for, far enough along to call a winner, though? I mean, was, one of you was ahead enough that... Uh, I mean, at that point, usually... Because just to kind of give a little bit of background for our listeners, uh, we've been playing this game when we put our son to sleep. And... For some reason, usually towards the end of the game, he always wakes up and he comes over and then it's like, hurry up. Okay, let's put the game away. And <laughs> it's just maddening. I'd like to be able to finish one of these games with her. You're stacked these cubes over here while daddy finishes. Yeah. You know, I almost need to maybe take a picture of the table. Just picture of the table so we can resume it in exactly the same there you go. setup. Uh, but you know, the next uh, day when he goes, unfortunately, to sleep. a benefit to playing online, I guess, because you could save your game. Well, in Yukata, I mean, you do that. Yeah, that's why I said unfortunately, yeah. it's a benefit. As, as yeah, I guess. To, I, I hate to try to sell the online implementations over the physical one, because in all other ways, it's kind of, kind of good. Yeah. Uh, Although you should try, I, now I've got. Speaking of, uh, now I know they have the game tables where you can kind of put the cover on. You know the the geek mm-hmm. chic tables that are they're kind of pricey, but yeah. years uh, a couple of years back I found and my wife actually was the one who wanted it. I have a coffee table that has a glass top and there's there's wood around it, but you can see through it and there's three tray drawers that slide out, 
And so basically, you can slide out one of these drawers, put it on top of the coffee table. It's the size of the coffee table. You could set up and play a game in it and then basically put it away and slide it back in. Hmm, interesting. So you could actually have three games going and technically one on top, so four games going. And this wasn't custom design. This is like bought right out of a showroom kind of thing. Wow. But there's one flaw with it. The uh, the drawers don't lock. So <laughs> my my son loves to just, you know, especially because he can see to through, whip the, them open. <laughs> through the glass. Yeah, he'll just pull the drawer open and put his toys in there and pull out the stuff. And throw. And so it's kind of a fail on those levels because it's not in my board. I have a room otherwise for board gaming with a table and stuff. But, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, it's still a neat idea. I thought I'd mention it. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Uh, then uh, we played a little bit of Ascension, which seems to be our go-to game. Thing. Actually, we played Ascension first, and we played Santiago. That was and, a mistake, so do it the other way around. Yeah, you yeah, probably should. And then, uh, yeah, last week was my birthday weekend. and Happy birthday. We, oh, thank you, thank you. And we went uh, out to dinner uh, for my birthday, and there's a, a large mall out here in the Chicago area, Woodfield Mall. And there happens to be a game store reasonably close to this restaurant that we went to inside the mall. You know, it's it's okay. I mean, it's it's not bad. I, I don't want to call it like a mainstream game store. But, you know, they got a lot of puzzles and, um, you know, just various games. And on the back wall, you know, they've got your typical hobbyist games. So... You know, I, I coerced her to go over there and check out to see what they had because I don't get there very much. And lo and behold, they had a, a copy of Robo Rally over there, which I was really surprised to see. And of course, I had to have it because I don't have—I didn't have it mm-hmm. uh, up until then, and I hadn't seen that thing anywhere. So I picked up a copy of Robo Rally, and then uh, we're gonna get. What was? Oh, and. Uh, my wife decided to grab a game that from her childhood, a game called Racco. Have you ever heard of this one? No. Okay. So uh, the other game that we played uh, together over the last weekend, uh, if you notice, I didn't say Robo Rally. <laughs> Instead, it was Racco. And oh my God, we played probably 20 games of this, Uh-oh. and I will. Friggin' shoot myself. So, so I know nothing about this game. What is it, basically? I mean, the, the game is actually okay. I mean, it's very quick, very light. Is it um, like a card game? It, is it? Yeah. Uh, basically, what it is is you get uh, a, a whole mess of cards, and they are numbered one through sixty, and then you get four of these little red racks where you put cards in vertically, and there's 10 slots in each rack. So what you're supposed to do is you you shuffle these cards up, you put them on the table, you deal uh, a couple cards to each person, and uh, what you can do is you take a card, and you can play it to your rack, and you're supposed to... I'm sorry, I missed a step there. So you get shuffled, you get dealt these cards, and you put them in your rack back to forwards, or the back of the rack moving out up. So what you're supposed to do is 
you're ultimately supposed to organize your rack numerically from lowest number up front to highest number and back. So when you play with a two-player, when you play a two-player game, you only play with cards one through 40. So when you initially put your cards in, you know, they're all jumbled up. You know, they're totally out of order. And as you play the game, you uh, you move cards in and out of your rack, and you're supposed to eventually reorder them so that they're numeric, front to back. They don't have to be consecutive except for three. In a two-player game, three cards have to be consecutive. So you can have one, four, five, six, you know, 10, 12, 15, 20, 30, whatever. So, so pretty seamless, it's sounding like. Very much so. There is a game from the uh, Schmitzspiel uh, Easy Play line called Finito. It re- this game really reminds me of Finito, if you've ever played that one, where you basically just need to organize these cards uh, numerically. And, I mean, it's, it's an okay game. I mean, if I was asked to play it, like even right now, for example, I'm like, okay, sure, yeah, let's play. And, I mean, these games, some of them are like two minutes long, some are five minutes long. It's really, really quick. And it was funny because, you know, we played probably the first ten games, and I won all of them. It's like one after another. And <laughs> And part of the game is you shout out, <laughs> Racco! Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, you know, kind of like Uno or whatever. Right. So it was funny because, you know, I'd get mine organized. I had this strategy of, you know, how would, I would approach the reordering. And i just get it done so quick. And then she would, I, I'd take a card and I'd kind of pause. And she would look at me and then I would just smile. <laughs> I put my last card in, raise my arm, start shaking, and Racco! I drove her nuts. So hilarious. would you recommend this game for others, or not so much? Um, it's it's okay. I you know, it's a really light game. I mean, it'll be great for kids. Uh, it you know, it's a game that obviously my wife played while she was you know a child. Right. You know, I'm sure she played with her sister a lot. It's kind of and, kind of kind of like Uno since you mentioned that. It's you know. It, it's not really yeah. that good of a game, but well, I'd if... say this is it's this is better than Uno. <laughs> okay, <laughs> if if that's possible. Well, I was gonna say like I, I used to play Uno at, at camp, you know, in yeah whatever the third grade or whatever it was, and so I I just and we would literally play every day because it was the only game that we had. Oh yeah, and so I probably not that I've played it since. I'm pretty sure I haven't, which would be interesting. Uh, I don't think I want to go and try it, though. I don't want to ruin that that memory. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, although I'm sure I'll eventually do it with my little guy. So. And and one thing that's kind of funny about Racco is that, I mean, this game's been around forever. I, I guess it came out in the 50s or, or something like that. And it's a Milton Bradley game. So as we were playing... My wife and I were were both commenting on card quality. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Because <laughs> you know how I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I've just been spoiled by all the hobbyist games, but all the hobby games usually have like a nice, let's say, like linen finish to yep. them. Although, although there's been some recent debates of quality dropping considerably. I mean, we yeah. talked about that too with with a few of them. You know, if not necessarily all of them have that linen finish, but at least they're sort of like sturdier cards. Whereas these cards, I mean, I would shuffle them, 
and they were just totally bent and be bent. I mean, you could see like a little like slight V shape to them, or ouch, you know, just from um, what do you well, what do you call that? Right, not rifle shuffling, rifle, whatever. Anyway, yeah, right, yeah, rifle shuffle. Well, I there was I played many an Avalon Hill game where we just had they were just card stock cards. I mean, they weren't even mm-hmm. you couldn't even argue that it was even a playing card and that we you'd actually tear them apart you'd like fold them back and forth they came on these sheets mm-hmm. you'd fold them back and forth and tear them off so yeah, i'm kind of glad things have evolved from there but maybe for similar reasons i i'm kind of i i do like the linen finish uh just because i think they shuffle better mm-hmm. that's prob i mean they're probably actually harder to read because there's you get a little bit more glare and some stuff like that. I, I've I've noticed with certain ones anyway, and and the colors sometimes are more muted. But I'll generally say I prefer the linen finish. Oh yeah, um, and of course they just I, feel better. And... Yeah, the full size cards. But th- there there's the other part of it too is I'd almost always rather have the full size card and a lower quality than the small little mini cards of whatever quality. So oh yeah. What is that? I, I hate those little cards. Yeah, well, because even if you're not holding them in your hand, they just spin around more and, and get out of place. It's like more you can't hold them. Yeah, I, mean, so, I can't hold those little cards. My hands are too big. So, so again, if I see the big, the full-size cards, and they're not of the best quality, I, I usually, mm-hmm. in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, at least, at least they're full-size. And then uh, one last thing about uh, the whole Racco experience, and I just had to throw this in, was uh, you know while we were playing. You know, my wife was telling me, she's like, oh, I love this game, I love this game, I love this game. And then, now, just to give a little tiny bit of back history, uh, I've been getting my wife into becoming a, as much of a board gamer as, as I can get her to be. And, uh, you know, that's been an ongoing process over the last year or so. And I think I've finally made a step further, because while we were playing Racco, this is a pivotal moment, a key, a key moment here. I'm going to remember okay. this. She said like after like the second game should we sleeve these cards oh nice. and i'm like yes nice <laughs> there wow. she goes wow that's <laughs> that's like another little uh scout badge earned i right? know right yeah oh uh, that was awesome that was awesome mm. congratulations <laughs> on that <laughs> yeah okay well thank you very much be doing a new t- a new section of the show this week and we're going to call that game lust yeah so finally you get an explanation as to what the title of the show is so when we cover game lust we're going to be talking about you know just some of the some of the games that are out in the horizon that we've been paying attention to that we're interested in that we're thinking about buying or even maybe uh, some games that we've just picked up recently and we haven't gotten to the table Exactly. So, 
Exactly. Yeah. So, Jeff, you want to start off with uh, yeah. a couple, one or two? Yeah. Uh, actually, I want to talk about one that I just played last night, but doesn't count because I was just playing to learn. But I got my copy of Manhattan Project. Ooh. And what is neat about this game for me is, uh, and you know, I do this with. It depends on the title, but this one there was enough pages in the rules and. I, it wasn't a game I had read about ahead of time or whatever, so this was a game I knew that I would have to set up first, and I usually find it easier to, to learn the rules and teach it well you know, if, if I uh, play through like a turn or two myself. Mm-hmm. And especially with my wife, because she prefers that I be uh, not do that with her. So uh, what actually happened is I was enjoying the process of that so much <laughs> that I played through the entire game. <laughs> oh, wow. Just myself. So <laughs> that doesn't happen often, right? Oh, uh, yeah. But don't know that you can even call that initial impressions, but I'm definitely very interested to, uh, we're going to play it uh, tomorrow, my wife and I, and then, you know, I'm sure if we like it, we'll play it again maybe this weekend or uh, I'll get it played next week and somewhere or another. But what is uh, great about this game for me is just that here finally is a game where, you know, I've gone through a couple of the last shows talking about cube pushers and things where it just, right. you know, really, uh, you know, no theme. They don't claim to have a theme. And even at that, it's there's nothing much of interest. Well, here, not only mechanically are there some things of interest that I immediately saw, which, you know, I'll definitely have to go through a much fuller review after I get it played. But the theme really does come out. I mean, even I could argue as well as anyone else, okay, well, you could just, plutonium could be replaced with blue cubes and, you know, but, uh, you know, no, it, it, it's done well. It really is just, the reason is because you can tell that they did certain things based around having the theme, right? It wasn't like they had all this right. thing working and then they go, okay, well, what can we theme it as? And we'll do that. And then maybe we'll add this one thing. No, the, this really, um, the, the flavor was there. So that was one, just got that uh, literally yesterday. Yeah, it was the day I got it. Uh, I got a shipment from uh, Boards and Bits. So uh, that's the first one for me. What about uh, What about you, Rob? What have you got or been looking at? Well, one game that I'm kind of excited to uh, actually be able to get sometime soon, at least sort of affordably, is I've heard that uh, Vinhos is coming out. I guess uh, was it, I think Z-Man or Rio Grande, one of the, one of those two. Yeah, going to be doing a reprint for the U.S. And you know, it, it's a game that's been out for a while, and I know that you, you I know, played there's, it. Yeah, there were some you know stores that had it, and. You know, I'm hoping it's going to be a little bit cheaper, maybe, and you know, more U.S. aid. What I interested guess. you about that game, if I may ask? Uh, I've heard a couple of reviews on it, and it really sounds interesting. It sounds like a game that I definitely would like. Uh, and then, you know, I did a couple, uh, you know, a little bit of reading on BGG about it. It, it it's been a game that's really been on my radar for quite a while. Um, Actually, almost since it came out, the of course now that I talk about it, I, I can't. I'm having kind of a little bit of a brain freeze. I can't think of <laughs> very much about it, but it, it's something that I don't know. I I just like it. I just like it. I feel okay. I need it. I gotta have it. I gotta uh, have it. 
I, maybe I'll I'll save my comments until after you acquire it and play it then. Okay. Unless you want to be talked in or out of it, because I haven't said yet whether I liked it, loved it, or hated it. <laughs> well, I'm not going to let you sway my decision. Okay. My decision I'll, to get it, because I'll, I'll get it anyway. I'll, I'll hold get it off. to spite you. I'll <laughs> hold off. Well, I, you're 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 thinking I didn't like it or something. Okay, so let me let me talk about another game then okay. that I just got. Well, actually, I've got a box here of some stuff that just came in the mail today. So I guess I could. Has this been done before? The the uh, a podcast unboxing probably well, we're gonna, somewhere. We're gonna hear you like wrinkle the wrapper. I think I'm gonna open this open. game. I'm gonna dig in this box, pull out this game. What game is it? You haven't mentioned it. Well, it was one of three, but it's the top one on the box. It is Lords of Waterdeep. Oh, yeah. And I think you, did you, you mentioned you had a copy of this game? Yeah, yeah, I've got one. Yeah, I had this on pre-order, so I'm kind of disappointed I didn't get it sooner. I didn't pre-order it, and I got it before. Yeah, exactly. See, that's what's wrong with this industry. Actually, while you're opening, you mind if I talk about this game for a second? Sure, go ahead. Start with t- explaining the box to me, right. because what is up with this box? That is an interesting box, okay? Again, I'm, I've got to say this. you know, I'm a big person that's all about inserts, boxes, components, all that fun stuff. And this game is impressive. It's, it's you know, gone into, I don't want to say some unprecedented territory, but uh, it definitely sets itself apart from a lot of other games where the box itself is interesting, where... You think of almost like you have. Uh, let me see if I, how well I can explain this. The box does not have a top that fully covers the bottom. I'm not, you know I'm not sure if I like that. Yeah, it, it seems like this is going to get damaged after. In fact, is it supposed to be split on one corner? I've uh, mine is like that also. Okay. So what it is is imagine if you have like or a two, strip two corners, of, yeah. Yeah, imagine if you have a strip, maybe what is it like three inches tall of cardboard and you make a rectangle out of it. Whereas you know, where the cardboard is like vertical, like the box sides. Then you have a bottom which is only maybe the sides are maybe like an inch tall, inch and a half tall. And then that first piece fits inside of it. So now you have a larger box and the top is now a thin piece, you know, where it's, it's only just like the bottom or it's only like an inch and a half on the sides. So when you remove the top, the top covers only like one and a half inches of the sides. Did I explain that good? It's, it's, it's really kind of a weird setup. So I think so. Yeah. So the box is definitely different. Um, the you know, the components are really nice quality, nice wood bits, and the insert. Did you get that insert yet? I just made it to the insert. I I do like this type. This is the like solid plastic kind that yeah. that isn't going to uh, tear after yeah. time or anything like that. And it is nice really spots for everything. Yeah, it's very thick plastic. Everything has its own spot. I was really impressed. Yeah, it, I'd be hard it, it pressed sets to, the do, bar. to do better with a Plano. As, as long as, and it looks like they did accommodate for turning the box on vertical without everything falling out. Uh, and it seems like that might work here. So that's that's my only concern with some inserts. 
Yeah. So in, in summary, I don't know what, I, I mean, maybe there was a problem with a couple of these, uh, printings that other people got, but this looks, this looks pretty spectacular to me. I like, I like the quality a lot, uh, all around. Even the building tiles, which are a little bit thinner than normal, seem to still be of a, a pretty decent quality. Now, with the copy that I got, I, I do have one gripe about it. So I, I guess I guess besides I, the weird box, yeah, I mean the for me the I don't I don't mind the box too much. It's different to be different for me. Yeah. So and and it is a very big box actually. You know, yeah. it's it's a little bit taller than most. Yeah, but it fits the board, so uh, yeah. it's a nice board. Uh, pretty the, good size. The the one thing about my copy is there is the one sheet of components that has the money. Right. Where the money is in ones and fives. The fives are little like crescents. Okay. Do you see that sheet? Yeah. And yours? Is yours aligned or is it off? Oh. Mine was maybe like three millimeters off. So all of my crescents... Are, are your crescents are not touching the edge? Up. Are they are they touching the edge of the you know where there's like this orange border around all of them? Mm-hmm. And and you're saying it's shifted to the right. Mine were shifted like up and down. So mine are off, but I would call it ever so slightly. I, I mean, I would call it off so slightly that compared to other games where I've had it misaligned, this looks great. Okay, so it might be just that sheet that I got. And and one thing that they do that's really nice of also is that in the instructions in the inside last page i believe it is they actually have a diagram of where you put everything in the insert yep yeah because sometimes that's like a little mini puzzle in itself oh absolutely yeah if anyone if anyone wants the ultimate in that challenge get the game earth reborn Uh, I've, i've never seen so many little places for stuff and it's it's nearly impossible to figure out where every little counter gets stuck (laughs) <laughs> uh, but but yeah, so so Lords of Waterdeep for me, uh, it's a Dungeons and Dragons themed Euro game, which I just thought was a cool concept. Again, like the Manhattan Project, you know, maybe finally some Euros that have a decent theme that they drew something from the theme in terms of adding some other mechanics, you know, and maybe whether or not they had different unique mechanics or not. And, and Lords of Waterdeep does, and ways we can delve into, uh, you know, in the future, but uh, again, just between the two of those, this is one of the most encouraging weeks I've had in terms of, you know, some themed Euro games to try out. I'm kind of, I'm kind of ready for that a little bit of something, a little more of a, uh, a mashing, a successful mashing of multiple genres, where I think in the past, most of the time, most games have failed to do that. It's like, well, it, it should have either been a Euro or a Meritrash or a war game or not. Uh, it's very hard to do those crossover games successfully. And I, uh, it, so far, it looks like Manhattan Project has done that successfully, and I'm mm-hmm. very hopeful that Lords of Waterdeep is another one, and then I'll have two of these great games that give me that Euro flavor but with some actual theme and story to it. So, Absolutely. So what else have you got lately or been looking at, Ian? Uh, I've been looking, uh, actually I've been waiting very impatiently for the Stone Age expansion, uh, Style is the Goal. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's, you know. that's one game, I mean, I, I really like Stone Age. It's it's fun. It's a lot more fun if you don't play it online. 
Yes. Uh, I just don't have that much well, tolerance for playing it on Yukata. Uh, although Board Game Arena is a little bit better. But I, I, I don't enjoy it online at all, really. Yeah. It, the, the, I don't even enjoy it in person as much as other people do, but really? that's that's kind of been my issue is it seemed to be this game that the type of gamers that like to play the same game over and over again always gravitated to that one. And so where I'd, where I was, you know, being the cult of the new guy, I always wanted to try something new, then right. I would sort of get vetoed in there. Oh, no, let's just play Stone Age. And I was mm-hmm. like, eh. Uh, yeah, all right. I mean, there's nothing really wrong with it, but I, I just never liked it as much as others. Right. Um, and and this is a game that is one that we play every once in a while. I'm sure you know if we played it more often, it would definitely. Well, you that's know, why I, I'm kind of excited welcome. about an expansion to maybe give it some new life, right? And so some mm-hmm. new, explore some new directions and such, because it, uh, where maybe. Uh, Agricola would be an example of a game that I still enjoy without the need of getting these 10 million different decks of cards and expansions and stuff, even though I have some, and I haven't even played a lot of the ones I have. But Stone Age, I could actually see some room for it. You know, there's definitely some room to change that one up a little bit. I'm really surprised that they haven't had any expansions for it yet. Yeah, I mean, there's the promo set back when promos weren't promos. You know, I think it was available in a magazine or something like that, the mm-hmm. additional huts. But that brings me to uh, a game that I did get just today, finally, uh, Seven Wonders Leaders. Right. Okay. So this isn't the new one that's coming out. This is the one that's been out for a while. And this is, you know, because Seven Wonders has been sort of stuck on my shelf and I want to see if this adds any uh, depth to it or interest uh and I've heard some good things about the expansion, but especially that now that with another expansion coming out, well, maybe between the two of them, this this will make it a little bit more interesting for me. And so I want to kind of uh, use this as helping me kind of get a final thought on w- whether I am for Seven Wonders or against it. But uh, I, I will say, and, I, and again, you know, some of these games I'll talk about more as I, I haven't played it recently, but I do remember the, enjoying the two-player mechanic for this one as well, which I always thought was a plus. You know, here's this game that plays seven, and I'm sure there's people that don't like it with two, but I actually thought, especially in contrast to a lot of these games where you're playing that pretend player, I hate that. I absolutely hate it. If there's a a balancing mechanic in a two-player game, I want it to be something that doesn't feel like I'm taking somebody else's turn. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, the way they did it here, well, maybe maybe this is an insult to the game, but I, I actually found more strategy in that than I did when I was playing with more than two, you know, because you were kind of using it as a, as a, as a better denial mechanism or a better sharing mechanism, you know, things like that. And you didn't really have that with, there was almost like less control with multiple players as opposed to this two player version. So, um, so I'm kind of interested to see again, if this adds anything to the two player game or the multiplayer version. And then especially with that other expansion coming out, that's what really made me buy this one. Mm-hmm. And on a, on a similar note, I picked up the Ticket to Ride India expansion in, for two reasons. One is because I had originally had Switzerland, and I got rid of it when I had heard about this one, um, since this one includes it. And Switzerland is uh, definitely the best two-player map I've played on. Okay. And But more importantly, because other than Marklin, all the ones I... Well, then again, I have Nordic countries too, but... 
Well, we'll just say it's unfortunately been one we have been playing on the iPad, and we've just not broken out the board games since. Um, so I thought this would be a nice excuse to actually get this to the table and, and see what new wonders and tricks they've added and if it's any good or not. So uh, I've, I've also got the Asia one on, and, and, and actually that's really what it is. It's just a way to fill out pre-orders, right? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> uh, on one of the other, uh, on my uh, Merchant of Venus one, so by the time that gets released in five years, I'll, uh, I'll finally get my Asia copy of Ticket to Ride, but that's stuck in on that pre-order. And how about you? Any any other games yeah. you've got recently or stuff you've been eyeing? Um, another one that I'm looking forward to is the new expansion to Kingdom Builder, uh, Nomads. Yep. It's going to yep. be coming out, I guess, later on uh, this summer. And this one brings on a couple new boards. I think it's four boards, a couple new um, what Kingdom cards. I think that's what they call them. Uh, and you know, I, I really like this game. It's it's a lot of fun and sort I, of light. I'm really hoping that one adds some depth instead of just a different set of objectives that are similar to the original, but you know, the boards arranged slightly differently or whatever. I hope that there's some things where you go, oh wow, that's really neat. I'm glad you know, I'm glad they did that. Yeah, and that it won't be just like a a redo of Dominion where it's like well yeah okay <laughs> more right. the same yeah, more the right same, so this one's you just same. you draw three and and throw away two you know instead yeah. of two three and two or so you know just some minor minor variation on what you already had because if that's what it is it's going to probably sour me to the entire series and I'm just going to pitch all of it but I have faith because I I do like Kingdom Builder um, but I but it is lacking a little bit in the variety and especially because there's some of the conditions and, and such that are just not as good as the others in a very Dominion-like way. I, I think it really needs the added choice of that extra expansion. So, And one thing I just noticed, uh, I'm looking at the BGG page of it, is that the player count goes from f- up to a maximum of four with the original to five on this one. So. And I could actually see that being good in, in this game because... Of of just how you, that interacts spatially on the map it, yeah. with five that might might be just the number where there's some uh, some neat tricks with that and and maybe that also adds some ability with uh, some of the new cards who knows because um, yeah, in, in this game you definitely want people to be you know in your face and crowding you yeah at least that's what makes it more interesting uh, since you mentioned Dominion though I actually went ahead and purchased the new version of Thunderstone. Advanced. I just got ah, yes. that yesterday as well. And uh, again, I've not really commented on it yet, but Thunderstone was a, a game I had chose to part with for a variety of reasons, but mainly you know, I was a big, big champion. I was an early adopter. I was one of the first to get the game, and I was very vocal about the problems with the rules, and they took that very seriously and revised it and and in one of the original revisions they actually had changed things and I didn't like it and other people didn't like it and then uh, in what became the 1.4 rules they basically went back to the way they originally were doing everything but just explained it better but while that worked for the base game as these expansions came out more and more expansions I just started to feel like the game really fell apart and Play after play after play, it was just becoming unsatisfying. You know, either monsters were clogging up the dungeons or the combo of cards was awful. I even got the app for the iPhone that was supposed to 
make sure that you had a you know at least one light and one you know a, a, a less totally random selection of cards. And even when I used that to generate the the combinations, we got stale combos and and just sets that just wouldn't work well together. And right. it it just became a frustrating experience and. I, I did this with a game group, and then I, I had th- basically three bad plays in a row with different quantities of of people, and then you know with my wife, and then basically with all the other deck builders out there, including Dominion, which I still have, although I've ceased to buy the the most recent expansions on that one. Um, but basically, we both just kind of agreed. It's like, yeah, we like the theme, but mechanically, this game is just a disaster. The fact that there was this epic unofficial variant that lots of people, including Tom Vassell, were basically said, oh, that's the only way I'll even play it anymore, just further drives home the point to me that the game as it is doesn't work for everyone. And it kind of needs all these house rules. So whether it's all these certain combinations of cards that do and don't work together, that unless you, again, you play 10 games only, and this is one of them, and have a very small collection, but play it tons and tons of time, then Thunderstone's going to work great for you, right? Because you're just going to instantly know all those. Oh, yeah, you know, you're never going to play these two cards together. But as it being in a collection where I, I just want to pull this game out every couple weeks or something, you know, without taking extensive notes or the, the app evol- evolving to where it can basically tell me pre-approved combinations of cards or something, it, it just wasn't worth the effort, and it was it became disappointing for me. But all that said, then they did this reboot of it, and the graphic layout is uh, really, 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 really well done. I mean, I'm not one to often comment on that part of it, and I don't mean the artwork. I mean just the actual layout of the card and everything, because I think Fancy Flight has done a good job of that with a lot of games, but I, I, I think it's almost too busy a lot of times, right? And there's too many squiggly lines and little... Um, you know, f- flare <laughs> on the card, if you know what yeah. I mean. Right? Oh, yeah. And and so somehow, uh, you know, AEG really, I think, got that right this time. Uh, just looking at the game, it just, oh, it just really looks great. And the board, I think, you know, is a neat thing in the way that they've kind of changed it a little bit. There aren't major changes, I guess, but... I don't know. You know, there's new starting cards. It, there was enough that they did that I, I'm willing to give it a second chance because it, it was still a marginal pass, you know, pass along because there's other deck builders that I, I just enjoy more. This was what I was talking about with like Dungeon Run and Ventura, where they're both they just have these this baseline of of being a great game and they're they're almost great, but then because of this certain fatal flaw. Uh, basically, completely fall flat for me, and they really need the second version, this 2.0 version. And and where with Thunderstone, I you know I think there was a group of people, and I was in that group that never really could convince anyone else, just despite the proliferation of this epic variant and everything, that there was ever any problem with Thunderstone. But isn't in a way, isn't this some sort of admission to that? Right now, they basically come back and reboot it and go, okay, well now we've you know, because time really not enough time has elapsed where they otherwise needed to do that. Right, and what really surprised me was the art change. Yeah, and that uh, that that kind of really threw me. Yeah, I mean, if we're gonna restart, we're gonna restart in style. We're gonna change the art. We're gonna fix up. You know, just make the whole thing different. So, uh, just got it. You know, 
yesterday. Very interested to see if it improves my opinion enough that now this is a keeper or, you know, if it's back to the trade pile. We'll right. see. So, uh, of course, I also picked up Last Will, which is another game I, I promised I would add to my last order based on one of my other better uh, than normal first impressions. So it's, that's why it's kind of been an exciting week for me because I've, I've played a whole bunch of games that were normally my first impressions on a lot of these are like, eh, yeah, I've seen that before. Okay, it's, that's a neat little mechanic, but, you know, who cares? Um, I'm already bored, and I haven't even played it a second time. Yeah. Uh, but then I have this whole string of games now, you know, Last Will, Manhattan Project. Uh, you know, I, I know I'm going to like Lords of Waterdeep, even that 1812 game, right? And just sort of, uh, you know, and I'll even throw out, you know, the Stephen Feld game, Trajan, whatever. Uh, I still like that far more than I thought I was going to. Um, so I've really had this period now where I've played a whole bunch of games that are just very... Uh, you get that feel of, oh, now I remember what it is I loved so much about board games, right? <laughs> Versus oh, yeah. if you play five in a row, they're like, oh, why am I... You know, what is everyone else talking about? How how, how are, is everybody a fan of this game where you just shove these cubes around? I, I I don't get it. There's better games where you shove cubes around. I'm not nothing against people, you know, that like games where you shove cubes around, but this is not the best game like that. Uh, you know, and 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 so I had played a whole bunch of those, and this was like, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe I'm waning on the hobby or something. But uh, nope, this this last stack, and then uh, I'll just throw my last game in the box sure. out to Rex. Oh boy, so, just another one. I'm just super excited about. I was a you know an Avalon Hill gamer back in the day, and and Dune of course was was one I played a lot of. Uh, you know, not I like Dune more than uh, a lot of themes, but I, I mean I wouldn't call myself a diehard fan, so I I have no problem with it being rethemed. I mean these days I play Twilight Imperium more than I would Dune, so uh, you know my only real problem I was put off by the board the first time I saw it, and I actually canceled my pre-order. Uh, Dune had this nice map of Arrakis, and there were different areas and such. Right. And this changed it to this one I just I hate when they do this. This Defenders of the Realm, these little circles with the lines that connect them all. Uh, although that said, I like Defenders of the Realm. I just don't like the board. I, <laughs> yeah. I just I find it kind of a lazy board design, right? Just make these little circles and connect them by lines and such. Yeah, so. it doesn't like fit. It's like the art of the circles and the lines doesn't match. Well, it's on thematic. It's on thematic. Yeah. I want to yeah, see yeah. the planet. I want to, you know, the planet was that's neat. You know, you you had in in Dune you had the uh, the storm that would that would go around uh, and wipe things out. And here it's like a fleet of ships, and you had the shield wall which you could nuke, and then it then these other areas that were formerly protected were kind of not protected and. Uh, the, the the spice that would you know go between areas, but you know that said, as I relooked at it, I, I'm back to being very excited about the game. I know I'll like it. I, I don't have to play it to know I like it because because it essentially is Dune, and I've and I've played that many a time. So mm -hmm. uh, the only question I have now is does it does it play you know a, a lower player count any any better than maybe Dune did, and it, it likely not. I think. It's uh, if it's like Dune, then it it plays best with the full or close to the full player count. Right. Uh, but you know, just one thing I'll say quick, and and again, I know this is a game I'll play a lot, so I'll obviously do a full review. But the one magical thing, you know, from memory, and it's been a long time, but the one thing 
that just stands out in this game from any other game that I've ever played ever is how integrated into the game your special ability is. So normally in games, when you have a special ability, it's like, okay, you draw an extra card at the end of your turn, right? And I, I get an extra army to start with. Ooh, right? Real creative there. You see where I'm, where I'm going? Yep. <laughs> it's, not, it's not really that neat. But in, in, in Dune or Rex, it's, it's like one guy, you know, is the, um, Oh, see, I'm not even going to remember them, but you know, one guy is like the banker, and he like, gets like all the money, and you go, like, how could that not be on, you know, unbalanced? But it isn't, right? And another guy, he can ship anything anywhere for free, and and you know, and another guy, and I, again, uh, it's been 20 years, so I'm 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 not going to remember them all, but I remember that, and I remember playing that the first time and going, wow. That's just these different factions are just so, so, so different from one another. And that's the reason why it plays five or six so well, because and then the, it's sort of the original dial game where you, you turn the dial to select a strength. Uh, and, you know, I, I talked like where Alba Longa was just totally disappointing with that. Where you pick a numbered card, you know, 20 years ago with Dune, you picked a number, but it was on a cool dial. Right. And, right. and then you had these leaders and stuff. And that too, the traitor element where you had, uh, and that's kind of probably the reason I don't like uh, Shadows Over Camelot, but because Rex had this, uh, well, Rex, I mean, Dune had this traitor element where, uh, you know, you, you pick cards to, to f- in, uh, at the beginning of the game, and, and that guy's secretly working for me, and everybody kind of has one of the, oh, that was one of the special abilities too. One of them, the uh, Harkonnen had, they get like uh, four or five uh, traitors at the beginning. So there's just all these different, double agents they have with the other players. And if, if that leader ever attacks you, then you just, you play the card and up. Oh, yep. He's uh you know, your army's dead or whatever. He's really working for me. So there's just a lot of neat mechanics to the game where it's, uh, again, I'm added to a list of games. I'm just really excited about. I don't think I've ever got this many games at one time, uh, that I was that optimistic for. Oh, wow. Okay. Any anything else you've been eyeing or? Yeah, um, you know, you talked about it briefly. You know, the uh, Manhattan Project. Mm-hmm. That's one. You know, I've seen a couple of the videos on it, and I'm I'm really excited to hear that you like it. Yeah, you know, and especially and I was, where I was sure I wasn't. Well, it's got to be overhyped. It looks like a Kickstarter special. I mean, I don't even care for the art so much. Yeah, and it really reminds me. I I, I don't know why, but. It's probably just the art of it. It really reminds me of the game Launchpad. Okay. Yeah. You, you know that card game from Stratus? Yeah. I've it's just it. like, for some reason, it's like the whole rocket ship and everything, and, and the rocket ships and the characters in that, they remind me of, or vice versa. The the characters in and the art in Manhattan Project reminds me of Launchpad a lot. But, uh, you know, it's, it's one game that... I think I'm probably going to have on my next order, whenever that is, and uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to checking it out. That's for sure. Then, sort of like on the distant radar, there's a couple of Queen games that are coming out. I'm really interested into, you know, in in seeing a little bit more about them, see what they're about because I'm a big fan of Queen games. Not a, yeah, really don't know why. I'm a I'm a fan. I, they've had a couple that have been misses for me. Mm-hmm. Lately, but uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm interested in in quite a few of the titles they've got coming out. 
uh, you know, they had quite the long list. I was kind of impressed, but not a whole lot of details. You know, Ido, uh, yeah. Ma- Maharini. Uh, yeah, that's one of them, and, and Cairo. Uh, yeah, I also had Urbanization on my list. Oh, yeah, that's another one, too. Yeah, that one, that one I think, more than even the other ones had uh, interested me a bit. Yeah, because so. that one, I mean, it's it's hitting on that, like, city building type of game, you know, kind of like Urban Sprawl or right. and, the upcoming... And, uh, I'm, and I've still got room in my collection for one of those because I didn't care for City Tycoon so much. Talked about that last time. Yes. 20th century, not, not better, but not still not quite. Uh, Urban Sprawl, I've, I've not formed a, an opinion on yet. I've played it, but not enough. It's still in my collection. And there's uh, Sunrise City. Yeah, Mojo, it's coming I, up. there was something in the bidding on that one that kind of turned me off, and I, I think I'd yeah. read the rules, and I was like, I don't think this is going to be for me, but mm-hmm. I'm kind of watching to see what others say about that or if I can get it played through someone else. But uh, I'm, I'm still looking for that like sort of perfect city builder game. Uh, right. Again, Urban Sprawl, I think, is a pretty good game, uh, but, it, but it's not exactly the type of city builder game I'm, I'm looking for, so there's still room for that for me. Doesn't scratch that itch for you. It's still, it's, you know, I want to almost compare it to Merchants and Marauders. It's like Merchants and Marauders is by far the best pirate game I've ever played. But that said, mm-hmm. I can imagine a better one <laughs> that doesn't exist yet, <laughs> right? And and really, it's because you know, on this going back to the the, the city ones, it's because you know maybe a Sim City, right? It was like in the same way that Civilization is is what you're everybody's kind of aiming for on that Civ game. The, the computer game, right? So SimCity sort of sets that bar. I was like, I, I want to get that experience in a board game, but without it being so overcomplicated and tedious as to be not fun. Right. Uh, you know, or having too much randomization or, or at the same time being so much of a cube pusher that it, the theme is, is gone. And so that sort of perfect city builder, I'm not aware of. Uh, you know, I've not played it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Yeah. And then uh, one it's coming up real soon now is the 1989 Dawn of Freedom. I'm really interested in, in seeing a little more of what that's about. I don't know if I'm going to get it, but I, I definitely want to see more information on it. That's uh, what one of the guys that did uh, um, Twilight Struggle. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess uh, I guess did this one. Yeah. Uh, if I remember right, I could be wrong in that. Yep. But, I definitely need to get more GMT games uh, and not just their Euro games. So I've, I've picked up no retreat recently, the Russian okay. front. Uh, and of course I have twilight struggle and, and uh, space empires and I've, I've mm-hmm. dominant species. The card game is another one. I'm very, very much oh, looking yeah, forward that's right. to. Yep. And it, it's interesting. It's like, I really have no interest in the, you know, the official, you know, dominant species. So game, you, you the card should game play seems that. It, it really is a good, game I, yeah. I you know get the new edition because it's got the improved art the, the problem is the game just looks abysmally dull yeah uh, i've actually not yet done that one with my wife just because she kind of looked at it and and, and said you know <laughs> with, with, was, eyes. yeah is this from your old avalon hill collection from like 1980 because <laughs> it sure l- looks not as good as those games <laughs> i think i had is better this, art on a lot of those it's a prototype yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen prototype art look better. So, yeah, they obviously they did art for the card game, you know, because with cards you kind of well, like GMT cards generally have no pictures, but 
if it's a card game only, then typically it's better to. So I think because they went and commissioned it, and you know, with the success of the board game, uh, now they're sort of using that art back in another edition of the of the board game itself, which uh, you know is disappointing to me because I'd actually waited to pick up this version when they first announced this new <laughs> printing, right. and now uh, you know the upgrade kit is such that. I'll probably just buy a full copy of the game rather than buy the upgrade. But mm-hmm. oh yeah. But I do have the card game on order, and well, there's other uh, lots of other games I've been lusting after that I could talk about, but I'll I'll save that for a future okay. episode of Game Lust, and then uh, uh, when we next do that segment. And I guess that concludes uh, Game Lust for this episode. There was definitely some uh, good games that we had, and I'm really looking forward to checking a whole bunch of those out. So, and I believe also that concludes episode number six. So, Jeff, you want to take it out? Sure. Well, uh, just to remind everyone to go to our website, www.thisboardgamelife.com. We have uh, all the all the shows up there, the RS feeds, RSS feeds, any of the notes for things that we've mentioned in the show. Uh, also, please do contact us at contact at thisboardgamelife.com. You can also call our voicemail. 754-444-TBGL. That's uh, 754-444-8245. And we'll, uh, we'll play that on the show or send us your pre-recorded MP3. Do go to our Board Game Geek Guild and uh, please join that as a, as a show of support. Uh, coming up in the future, that will be uh, a requirement of one of our contests. So uh, we hope to see you do that. And otherwise, uh, thanks for listening. I've I've had fun doing this and uh, absolutely. We'll uh, catch you all next time. Okay, sounds good. And I also wanted to add real quick: uh, don't forget uh, to check us out on iTunes. We just got up there, and rate us five stars. All right, I'm Rob. I'll catch y'all later. <laughs>